Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly Merclear. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, we will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back to Therapy and Theology. Today, I have the honor of having a guest with me in the studio, and we are going to be talking about a map for emotional and spiritual development. Christy Guntier is the co-author of the book, Journey of the Soul, A Practical Guide to Emotional and Spiritual Growth. Christy and her husband, Bill, are doctors of psychology who have dedicated their lives to serving Jesus and are the founders of the nonprofit ministry called Soul Shepherding. As therapists and spiritual directors, they have spent over 70,000 hours in the pool of pain with people and share their learnings to strengthen others in their intimacy with Jesus, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. Christy is also the mother of three adult children and the grandmother of three. So welcome, Christy, to the show. I'm so honored to have you today. And I would love for us to start with hearing a little bit more about your journey to where you are now and your interests and professional work with the intersection of faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Thank you, Carly. I'm so happy to be with you and your community today. It's a joy. Really, it's the work of the Lord in my life that has led me where I am today. All along the way, He created me as someone who is a highly sensitive person, someone who feels deeply and strongly. And so that's where the feelings part comes in. And then on top of that, having a blessing of being raised in the church and 
being involved in some level of ministry throughout my life. And I have an opportunity to be on staffs of many different churches, be involved in a church plant, and then getting my doctorate in psychology and being in private practice and getting experience both in the church, but then really up close and intimate with individuals and the pain and they're wrestling through some of the issues with God, issues with church, pain, ministry, some of the fallout there. And so through that, the Lord was just preparing me to learn and to get my own experiential knowledge through my own life and those I've journeyed with, and then also with the church at large. I love that. Yeah, I see that so much in my own work as well within therapy, just seeing the pain and the intersection that people have when it comes to faith and even their beliefs about faith in God and how that really impacts their emotional process. In yes. ways. So I love the work that you guys do. And I'd love to hear more about the book. What prompted you to write the book about emotional and spiritual development and, and how has it been helpful to maybe you personally and then in your ministry and your work with clients? Great question. Well, part of what prompted us to write this book was seen so often over and over clients that would come into my office and they would say, I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I don't know if I believe anymore. I don't want to go to church anymore. I leave church feeling shame or feeling anger, feeling like I'm, I'm blowing in and God's mad at me and just continuing to hear that they, they would bring these secrets to me in my office and they, and nobody knew. And they felt like it was their fault. They felt like they were doing something wrong and they didn't understand that we all go through different stages in our growth. And that actually to just wrestle with some of those doubts, some of those questions are, are normal and healthy. And actually mm-hmm. God uses them. If we come to understand the grace that's available to us, as we come to understand and get, get an idea path for what God's doing in our life at that time. And we all need a mentor, somebody who has been before us on the journey and can kind of show us the way. So for example, one of the things my husband and I like to do is we like to get out and hike on, on the trail and explore God's creation. We were doing this one trail to a waterfall in Los Angeles, which is about an hour away from us. And when we got to this point where we had been hiking for a while, we're out of water, we were tired, it was dark, we hadn't seen anybody for a while. I began to feel like, I don't think there's any waterfall. I think we've lost our way. I don't even think we're on a trail anymore. I began Mm -hmm. to get discouraged. I was like, I'm done. Let's turn back. So we did. We turned back. We didn't make it to the waterfall. Well, then we were there a couple of years later with some friends for a conference and we had some free time. We said, hey, there's this waterfall we've been wanting to say. Are you interested? Like, yeah, let's do it. We set out the same way. Only this time we allowed more time. We was earlier in the day. It wasn't going to get dark on us. We had water. We had food. Mm-hmm. Do you know, we got to that same point on the trail and my friend said, I'm done. I, I don't think there's the trail. I don't think there's a waterfall here. I, I'm, this isn't fun anymore. Can we go back? So we went back. And then third time, we were up there for a two-week doctors of ministry class taught by Dallas Willard, and it was real close to this trail. And so in our afternoon free time, we said, hey, let's hit that trail again. We got up there, and we got to that same plate, and I wanted to quit again. And I was shocked. I was like, this time I'm going to make it. My husband's a drive-the-ball-to-the-goal kind of guy, and here he'd been thwarted twice. I'm like, no, I'm going to help him make it this time. And right at that same spot when I wanted to quit again, I saw somebody. Mm-hmm. who was coming the other way. And I said, Hey, is this the trail to the waterfall? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, how much farther is it? And he's like, Oh, you're really close. And I'm like, well, is it worth it? Because at this part of the trail, it was a steep incline. And he said, Oh yeah, it's worth it. 
that's what I needed. I needed somebody who had gone ahead, who knew the trail before me, who knew the way and could encourage me, who could let me know this is part of the terrain of the trail. You haven't lost your way, even though it looks like it, even though you're disoriented, even though you're tired, there's so much more. And that's what I found in our life with God and in our spiritual and emotional growth, that there is so much more that God has for it. But we need somebody who understands, who can articulate it, who can empathize with what we're experiencing and who can guide us. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And I think that's such an important aspect of just the spiritual journey in general, like having people to walk with us, Mm -hmm. right? And when we do it in such a way that doesn't negate or dismiss the feelings, because I'd see that a lot in Christian culture, right? We can, we can dismiss the intensity of the emotion or tell someone that they, you know, oh, God's not happy with how you're feeling, Mm -hmm. but instead to have that empathy of, Hey, this is actually important. And we need to listen to this as a way that God's calling us and drawing us. Um, And that's, that's so beneficial. And I would say even vital to our spiritual formation and deepening. Yes. And we need a map, a map that helps us to see, like yeah. when you go into a mall and it's a bit overwhelming, you don't know where you are, you know, maybe where, what you're looking for, where you want to go, but you don't know how to get there. And you've got that map that says you are here. It's orienting. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons I wrote the book was to orient people, to help them to understand where they are and where God is inviting them to go. With them. Mm. Well, yeah. So tell us a little bit about these Christ stages of faith that you and Bill outline and and how they work and how we can interact with them. Yes, I will. I do want to say a little bit. We call them the Christ stages because Jesus is our soul shepherd. He is the good shepherd that leads us. And Jesus is our mediator with God, but he's also our model. He became human. He felt and experienced everything we do. And he grew and developed through each of these stages. And so we, we talk about that in the book too, as Jesus is our model. But these are the the Christ stages because we're growing also in Christ likeness. So the Christ stages, it is an acronym. And the first one is C for confidence in Christ. That's where we first are putting our confidence in Christ. We have a symbol in the book for each of the stages. And so the symbol for the Christ stage is a church because it's often through the body of Christ, the family of God that we come to put our confidence in Christ. It's often through the church that we come to experience some of maybe the first spiritual disciplines or sacraments, such as baptism or communion. Those are C stage experiences. And in every stage, we, we talk about in the book that there is a unique temptation and there's a special grace. And the unique temptation in the C stage is we're off, we often see in the C stage and feel in the C stage torn between two worlds, this tug of war, this battle between our old life without Christ, our old group of friends, and maybe people in the C stage might look very different when they're at school or when they're at work than when they're at church with their Christian friends, there can be this real tug of war between our life in the world and our life in Christ and in Christian community. But the grace is God's sticky lot that he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And then the next stage, the H stage is called help and discipleship. Because as we, as we put our confidence in Christ and we begin our walk with Christ, we begin to understand there's some, some things that we need to learn about discipleship, about how to understand God and follow God. And we, we come to understand that there are things that we're, we're being instructed to do, like to pray and to worship. And we maybe don't know how to do that or how to read our Bible. And maybe we read the Bible, it's foreign to us. It's like a new language. It's, the Bible's not easy to understand. And so we need others. We need mentors. We need people who can help us in our discipleship. 
and who we can receive from. And each of our stages also pattern psychological developmental stages, very research stages that we all go through in our psychological growth, in our social growth, in our cognitive development, all of these correlate. So we've looked at development in every one of these models of our soul and aspects of our soul, and they all fit with our spiritual development. Most of us don't realize that and how those tie together. That's important. So this help and discipleship stage is, is much like we need help as children to grow, to understand, to be taught. We need to learn the rules. We need to learn where the boundaries are. And so that's part of what's happening in help and discipleship. We're learning God's laws. We're learning his truth. And actually that is a grace. The the roadblock or the temptation help and discipleship is misinterpreting scripture, misunderstanding scripture mm-hmm. and, and falling to biblical blunders that kind of bruise and confuse us. Things like some a biblical blunder could be re- to read Philippians 4, for instance, and to say, do not be anxious and to think anxiety is a sin, but it's not a sin. That would be a, a very dangerous mm-hmm. misinterpretation of scripture. Of course, we're going to feel anxious. Yeah. What Paul's yeah. instructing us there is when we are anxious to pray, to take it to the Lord, to, to, to remember he's with us mm-hmm. and to cast our cares on him and, and to rejoice in him and thank him for his presence and that he's with us. We're not alone. So these are some examples of a, a grace of understanding scripture accurately versus a misinterpretation, which is a, an opportunity for us as we grow and help the discipleship. Mm-hmm. And then also in help the discipleship, we are, we're learning some other things like how to maybe have memorize scripture or have daily prayer times and, and devotional times. And then the next stage is our stage responsibilities and ministry. And the symbol for the R stage is, is a medal. It's like a blue ribbon because when we get to the R stage, we've come to understand the exciting reality that God has given us special gifts, spiritual gifts. Yes, but other gifts too, talents and things that we're good at. And these, these joy gifts, we talk about them in journey of the soul out of scripture and out of Romans and talking about how we can team together with others in the body of Christ. And as we team all of our differing gifts together, we can make such a big impact for the kingdom of God. And that's what we're doing in responsibilities and ministry. We're learning to partner with others on the team and make a big impact and have some big wins. And it's exciting to see what God does as we offer him our gifts. And as we grow and we begin to grow in our identity and our confidence in God and seeing his spirit. But even there, we have an enemy who comes to try to take us out at every stage. And so the roadblock, the temptation that we encounter at responsibilities Mm -hmm. in ministry is that of over busyness leading to burnout, a very common one, or another one will be over identifying with our gifts and getting ego identified with our gifts and looking too much for pleasing people or forming our identity around what people think of us or what we do or what we have instead of who we are in Christ. And this, the special grace there for us in responsibilities in ministry is being able to, to understand our identity in Christ and our belovedness in him. So those are the first three stages. And the first three stages are where most Christians end up living all of their Christian life. Most Christians, most of our churches only know really how to help people in the first three stages or how to articulate and understand the first three stages. Because between these first three stages and the last three stages, there's a wall. 
And we hit this wall usually after some years in responsibility and ministry. You can hit the wall at another place anytime in your journey, but most often we hit it after some years of responsibility and ministry. And at the wall, we tend to feel uh, it can be a personal crisis that throws us the wall. It can be burnout from overwork, even over spiritual disciplines or over ministry, uh, giving out too much. It can be compassion fatigue. It can be a faith crisis. Deconstruction is a wall that we're hearing a lot about today. So there's different kinds, different things that we talk about and unpack some of the different walls in our book. But at the wall, oftentimes we feel maybe abandoned by God. We feel a lot of shame, like the things that were working for me in the first three stages aren't anymore. Why are they still working for everybody else here at my church and not me? We begin to feel shame of church. Why am I having trouble trusting God? Why am I, why am I not hearing God or experiencing God with me in the ways I was before? What have I done wrong? These are some of the questions that tend to surface at the wall. And, and because the church doesn't know how to understand or talk about this. People think they're alone and they think they're the only one and they don't know where to go or what to do. So oftentimes what people will do is they'll settle for one of the earlier stages and they'll think, I guess this is all there is to the Christian life. I'm just going to soldier on. And their life becomes about duty or about believing and doing, but they just repress their feelings or they act them out secretly in sinful ways to try to get some comfort. So this is what we see at the wall oftentimes. And as we come to understand that, then there's grace because there's so much more after the wall. Like being able to put words to it this way and be able to say, hey, the wall is where we actually go deeper and we don't have to stop at the wall or dismiss our feelings or walk away from the Lord. We can go deeper into it. That's right. I say in in, in the book, the wall is actually a grace. Because there's a deeper work that God wants to do. The temptation at the wall is for us to distrust God. But the grace at the wall is to receive empathy from the Lord. Jesus hit some walls in his life too. And he he knows our pain. And like Hebrews 4 says, we have a high priest who is able to empathize with us, who experienced the testings and the temptations and the sufferings and the emotions, the painful emotions that we do in our life as well. And so there's a real opportunity there at the wall to receive Jesus' empathy. And then as after we, when we're at the wall, if we come to understand the next stage that Jesus is inviting us into that we can't get to without hitting the wall first. Mm-hmm. That is the I stage, which is the inner journey. And our symbol for the inner journey is a shovel. Because at the inner journey, this is where if we will join Jesus and put our hand on the shovel and let him soften up the hardened soil of our soul and we let him dig down deep and begin to get emotionally honest with the Lord, with ourselves, with other safe, trusted ambassadors of him who have been ahead of us on the journey. And we, he begins to unearth and uncover some root sins, some parasites down there in the soil of our soul that. We've been repressing, ignoring, keeping hidden, haven't haven't wanted anybody to know about, haven't even wanted to admit. And this is a time when Jesus is saying, come on, take my hand. Let's go there. Let's deal with this. Let's get healthy. And it can be painful because sometimes it involves uprooting maybe a plant that's very flowery and showy and we're really attached to and we like and it gets a lot of praise. He might uproot that, but he has a vision of something more fruitful he wants to plant there. So in this season of the inner journey, this is the season where the opportunity, the grace is for us to get emotionally honest with God. 
And if we don't get emotionally honest with God, we will lose our longing for God because we can't repress just the negative feelings. If we're going to shut down our emotion, we're going to shut it all down. And so at the inner journey, it's it's an opportunity for the Lord to reawaken all of that as we get emotionally honest, as we begin to receive his empathy. And so at the wall, there's some special and unique and new spiritual disciplines that can be really helpful for us. Uh, Things like counseling, things like setting boundaries in our life to protect our soul, to learn to, to join Jesus in caring for our soul. Some things like learning to pray Psalms of lament and learn these words of articulating our emotions honestly, like the psalmist does so beautifully. After we do this inner journey work, which is a time of a very healing time, time that often comes through some work with counseling or spiritual direction or inner healing prayer or all three, which was the case for me and which we train people in our ministry and all three of those as well. But then we come into the S stage and the S stage is spirit led ministry. The symbol for the S stage is a sailboat because by the time you reach the S stage, you have come to really trust God and his goodness and love. And you've learned to enter into his oceanic love. You've come to see how huge and vast and deep his love is. And to be able to trust and to venture out beyond the waves, beyond the shore, into where the water's deep. And you've learned to be still and to wait on the Lord. In the our stage, we're really busy doing things for God. We're a power boat. We're, you know, we've got our engines and we're running around. We're going to make all these things happen for God. But in the estate, we've learned to, yeah. to wait on him and to be still in the solitude and the silence and the quiet times to still trust him. Mm-hmm. And we've learned to be ready when the wind of the spirit blows to adjust ourselves and to move with his spirit. And we've seen talk about power, talk about thrill. There's nothing more joyful and exciting than get, getting to move with the spirit of God and see what he does through your life as you participate with him. So it's. It's spirit-led ministry is full of lots of activity where God's using you in powerful ways, but it's not about you anymore. You've learned to get out of the way of God. You've learned to just be that vessel. You've learned to be able to interpret and know and understand his spirit and his power. And you develop the character to handle the power. Whereas oftentimes in responsibility ministry, we don't yet have that. And then the T stage, T stage, the symbol is the wedding rings, because by the time we hit the T stage, which is transforming union. We have been married to God. We have been in such deep intimacy, emotional honesty. We've learned to trust even when we're only experiencing desolation and hard times and suffering. And we've joined in Jesus' suffering for the poor, for the needy. And we were sharing in his deep compassion for all people. And we're able to really practice the presence of God at all times. We, we're not as dependent upon consolations for that, yeah. that we were in some of the earlier stages. So we, we've learned to endure, to be faithful. We've learned intimately to understand God's laws and to treasure it. We've received his yeah. grace and unconditional love deep into our being where it pervades our identity. We're secure in it and we're able to love other people that way too. Mm, that's the goal, right? That's <laughs> get the there, goal. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. But we don't want to miss that every stage is important. Mm. We can't just go to transforming union. Right. We go there through these other stages. It's not a linear model. Mm-hmm. It's a circular model yeah. where it's like a spiral. We're having touches back into earlier stages and we're getting invitations and touches and visions into the next stage. But we all have a home stage where we are. And so it's really important that we recognize that this is not like a pride thing. What stage are you in? Oh, you're more, you know, it's not that because 
Jesus is at work in powerful and important ways at every stage. And his greatest commandment to us to love him and to love our neighbor as himself, we can do at any stage. That's right. I love that. And I love the idea of it being kind of like a deepening every time we go through another mm-hmm. stage. Yeah. We go deeper and grow deeper. <laughs> and I yes, think that's more interesting because I think sometimes, and I've experienced this in my own life where we can be in a good season, we can be oriented or reoriented to God's goodness and grace. Um, maybe we've come out of a disorienting season or through a wall, and then we hit a wall again. Or, you know, we, we can be like, wait, what happened? I wish I could go back to who I was or what, what I was before this and how that's actually just an invitation for God to grow us more. Yes. Seeing that, like you said, as a grace rather than a punishment or rather than our moral failure or our spiritual failure, but how God is coming to us in that and bringing us closer to himself. And I think that's a really beautiful way of seeing it. It shifts everything, right? It does. One of the things we've done too that listeners can check out journeythesoul.org or soulshepherding.org is we, we have lots of resources to help you at each one of the stages. Mm-hmm. So one of those is we put together our Spotify playlist. It's free. And if you go to Soul Shepherding on Spotify, you'll see it where there's songs for each of these stages because our Christian artists are articulating their experience in the stage they're in. Yeah. And so that can be a really helpful way to even identify your stage and come to understand because you'll, you'll have a preference for the music of that stage because it will be articulating your experience right now. Oh, I love that. That's such a wonderful resource. I will link that in the show notes for everybody that wants to check that out. Thank you so much for that. Can we talk maybe a little bit more about where you see that process of deconstruction being actually really important? And you talk about two different spiritualities, right? And the shift here is really important. It is a really important shift. It's a big shift. And I think that the last couple of years, the pandemic and political division and the, the racism and so much that's been happening, I think has really thrown... Yeah. a lot of people into the wall and they're like, what has happened? And, and it's very disorienting. Uh, it can be, it, the wall can be a place of real crisis and danger where a lot of people just exit the church. They just, yeah, they just get yeah. angry at God. They, they don't, they feel so shame. They can't tolerate that. So they just, they just give up and they leave the church. They begin to question everything that they've been taught and even make it all bad and react, overreact. And because they haven't learned to integrate good and bad and they haven't learned to be able to, to wrestle through these things and understand that Jesus invites them to bring him their questions. He's not afraid of their questions to bring him his, their doubts. And it's a time of important examination. Remember I've hit the wall three times and I, you know, certainly there's, there's little roadblocks we hit at each stage and then there's the big sure. walls. But I remember the first time I hit my wall, just that disorientation of feeling so alone and isolated and mm-hmm. nobody I could talk to about it. Who would understand? Who wouldn't judge me? I remember yeah. hearing a, a friend of mine say that she went to her pastor when she was at the wall and he, he, he questioned her faith. He thought, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure you're a Christian. It was so devastating to her. She left the church. So it's really important that we under come to understand this and normalize the wall and not be afraid of it. Not and to listen to people that are at the wall and to listen to their their questions with empathy, but also holding out the faith for them. When I was at my wall, my husband was uh, was in spirit led ministry. He'd already been through his wall and inner journey and. And having him as a guide was so helpful to me in that. And I remembered him being at his wall. And I, when he was at his wall, I was in responsibility of the ministry. And I remember praying him through that wall because I was so alarmed and concerned about where he was at. 
but then to be experiencing it myself and feeling that myself, I needed him to be praying me through. I needed his example to remind me, okay, yes, I can get through this. This isn't going to be my new reality forever. And I don't need to be afraid of these emotions and these feelings or there's important work God's doing. One of the things that happens at the wall and this soul pivot, we call it in the book. And we do talk about the two spiritualities in the book where we kind of give a chart of the first three stages and then the second three and, and that soul pivot and what happens. And so we move from this black and white thinking, dualistic thinking to being able to have a, a broader understanding of a whole more whole picture of what God is doing in his grace at work in the world. We're in the first three stages before the wall, we're often seeking decisions and results, but afterward we're understanding the relational process and wanting the importance mm-hmm. of that. Before the wall, we're, we tend to maybe be judgmental. After the wall, we're more able to be grace-giving. Before the wall, we might be closed-minded. There's danger after the wall, though, that we could we could actually, because there's always an enemy, even in the later stages, and even in Transforming right. Union, we have the enemy who comes and tries to take us out and, and tempt us towards universalism and diminishing mm-hmm. the importance of Jesus or the Bible. So there's always temptations for us, even the, but the wall is that main one where we, we tend to just be in a real crisis there. Yeah. And I think that's such a challenge for maybe even my generation of Christians that have kind of maybe walked away from the church, walked away from their faith. We use this word deconstruction a lot, but the challenge here, and I think you guys mentioned this in the book, is to, to press in, yes. right? I think oftentimes when we we lose our faith or we get to this wall, we walk away. And I love the invitation of, well, deconstruction is a good thing if we're willing to reconstruct, That's if we're willing to press into that, you know? Yes. And yeah, well, when you think about the wall in terms of if you're building a wall, some bad bricks probably get put in that wall. You probably got some right. bad teachings. You probably mm-hmm. were hurt. And so the only way to remove those is you've got to deconstruct the wall and figure out, okay, where are the ones that are not stable? Where are the ones that can't bear the weight of what's coming in these next three stages? And being able to examine that at the wall, I had to examine some of my wrong ideas about God. And where had those come from? And why were those where? And how did those get so cemented into my soul? And so at at the deconstruction, we have an opportunity to do some of that. And then to work with the Lord, to have him put bricks of his truth and grace and presence there. Yeah. And I think that leads us to the next question for today of what kind of offering do you give the Christian that is maybe finding themselves at that wall or in that place of spiritual dryness? I think you talk about this in your book, but I'd love for you to just expound on what would you recommend? What are your encouragements or thoughts to them? Yeah. Well, don't try to do it alone Mm, and don't, don't abandon and leave the church. Um, Yes. The church isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. But we need other Christians who can minister God's love and grace and truth to us. You need to seek a Christian therapist, seek a spiritual yeah. director, seek someone who understands who's been through the wall, someone who has, has character, mm-hmm. who you respect and can trust, who can guide you. Read, read our book and get the articulation and the understanding so you're finding the words. And the other thing that we offer yeah. in Journey of the Soul is soul care practices for each of the stages mm-hmm. and get that. We, we offer questions in the book as to how to find your home stage and how to understand it. 
And you can, you can work through the book with somebody else, gather with some other friends, work it through together and go through these questions together. Listen to our videos. We have free 20 minute videos on each of the stages and talk about it so that you're growing together and you don't feel alone. The enemy wants to isolate us because then he can take us out. He can attack us all the more and he can take us out. And so one of the things that is important to understand, we give summaries of each of the characteristics of the stages to understand those. We have pathfinder questions to help you identify your stages or, or loved one stage or people you're journeying with or working with. We give uh, the, the developmental dynamics and next steps, kind of a packing list and practical suggestions of spiritual disciplines because spiritual disciplines in your life are different at each of the stages. Yeah. And so to expect yourself to do spiritual disciplines that you did before that aren't appropriate for your stage, that that's not healthy. So understanding that and these different soul care practices are things that we need as well, because they're very different. What we do at the wall looks very different. We need to cut off all of that busy ministry activity, that service and mission trip. We need to, we need to set boundaries against all that at the wall and make space to feel our feelings and to journal mm-hmm. and to be able to be honest with God and to receive support and care for our hurts. And to have somebody who can sit with us as we go into the pain and as we do the grief work and the forgiveness work. Mm. God is more, he's more interested in our being than our doing. And he's created us as human beings, not human doings. But we learn in the world that we get a lot of attention and reinforcement and security by our doing. And so that's where we can get shifted to overdo. That's right. I love that. I love that encouragement for all of us. You talk about a journey map in the book, and I think this is a really helpful way to kind of conclude our time. Could you explain how it's beneficial to Christians in all stages of life and what you recommend with that? Definitely. Well, the map is an opportunity to really take an intentional time to gather a a piece of paper, and you're actually going to journey with Jesus and have him show you what has he been doing in your life? Where is his story in your story? You're looking at your story, your growth through these stages. And as you begin, we lead you how to do this and how give you some specific and easy ways to just begin to look with Jesus at where you've been. Where where did you enter the sea stage? What were the graces? Where did you experience consolation, joys, graces, uh, positive experiences, special memories that, that were happening there as you first put your confidence in Christ? Where were you experiencing some of these special spiritual disciplines or, or experiences in the church and, and marking this out? Okay, where were their desolations? Where were their sins? Where was their pain? Where, where were their roadblocks? And articulating these and putting these down and, and for each of the stages and then finding where, where are we now? And as we look at the whole, as we do this and look at the whole of our journey map personalized to us, and we share this with somebody else that we're either going through the book with, or we're in a small group with or a counselor or a spiritual director. It is so powerful. Everybody I've ever done this with, and me, and me when I've done it myself, and I've done it more than once, it's it's such a gift because I'm able to see, oh, Lord, you were with me here at this in this suffering or in this desolation when I thought you would abandon me. But now I can see how you were working and how important this was and how you were preparing me for this and how you redeemed it and brought good out of it through this later stage or Oh, Lord, look at, I've taken for granted all these great things you've done for me in these early stages of, of my faith walk with you, my journey with you. I've just forgotten it all. And I'm going back and I'm celebrating thinking, wow, you have been faithful. Look what you have done. Look how you grew me. Look what you taught me. Look at this 
gift you gave me. And so it's such an exciting time to just be able to look at our growth in Christ. And it, it highlights those interactive workings and even that pattern of how even the desolation sea works for good. And we can see that. To, to support that, we also have a leader's guide we've written to go with Journey of the Soul for churches or small groups to to walk through the book together in a packet. One of the things we are hearing from people that do the group together is it's a great tool for growing in empathy because it helps you to understand the people in your life and at every stage. Because what we tend to do is just most naturally, we tend to judge people in stages behind us as immature, kind of, oh yeah, they're babies in their faith and kind of maybe dismiss them. And we tend to look at people ahead of us on the journey and either ideal over idealize them or judge them as kind of, Oh, they're way out there. They're going to, well, I don't know about them. I don't, uh, I don't want to be a part of that group. I don't want to do what they're doing. That's kind of weird. That kind of freaks me out because we don't understand. And so understanding each of these stages helps us to grow in empathy for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in different stages. Than us. I think it goes back to maybe what you said a little bit earlier when we can recognize God is working all of the time in every stage, in the hard things and the good things and making that map, I think could be really valuable to all of us. So thank you so much for sharing your heart, for sharing your words and wisdom today and through the book. Is there anything else that you feel like could be helpful for those next steps or even just social media? Where can people find you? Are there anything, anything that's coming up in the next few months that we can be looking out to connect with you guys? Thank you. Yes. Soul Shepherding is growing a lot and we would love to welcome you into our community. We have a network where you can connect with people, where you can get our resources for free and easy one page printable handouts to share with others. If you're someone in ministry, there are great tools for ministry as well as for your personal life. And then we also have ongoing webinars that are free and included there. Uh, Bill and I have a podcast, Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We'd love to have you tune into that. And then we have other resources as well. We train spiritual directors and coaches and mentors. So if you're interested in that, you can check out the Soul Shepherding Institute, which is one week retreats where you can come and get away and go deeper with some of the the things that we're talking about here today in your own experience and then also being equipped for ministry. So we have a lot of different ways people can engage with us. Definitely Instagram or any of our social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest. We'd love to have you follow us there where we put out little bite-side daily daily nuggets. And then we have other books besides during the soul too. So we would love to follow Jesus with you. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. It's been wonderful to be with you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discussed on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts and see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content and join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarkboyer.com.
If you're hearing this right now, you're probably like, who the heck is this and why are they playing during my favorite podcast? And I get it. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to introduce myself. My name is Trevor Tyson, and I'm the host of Trevor Talks, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. I just want to invite you, if you love podcasts, if you love music, if you love books and love hearing from the people who create it, come check us out at Trevor Talks. Simply go to Google or Life Audio, type in Trevor Talks, and it'll pop on up. Hope you have a great day.